Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the talking head. Uh, Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss a favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and even play some games sometimes. Uh, Dane, what are we discussing today? Well, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Game Master Boundaries. Mm. Right, and boundaries is in like what can the GM assert, and like what do they have control over versus what do the players have control over? We're talking about what they're allowed to do, and if they don't, they go to jail. Yep, role play in jail, real thing. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Yeah. What uh, What is the purview of the game master? Um, how not to overstep these boundaries, stuff like that. So, uh break this down for you before we get started. What are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about the idea of not crushing your player characters as the game master with, you know, your rulings and stuff. Um, We're talking about something that we call the Venn diagram of ownership. That's kind of a cool concept that we came up with that helps uh, illustrate these these ideas. Right. You know, the Venn diagram, the two circles, they they have a section where... What's what's separate and what's Mm -hmm. shared. Uh, when is it okay to take control? And we're going to talk about you know what that means and in what context. Um, and then we're going to talk about how much information game masters should share with their players. And yeah, so all this is going to be in the context of boundaries. Boundaries that the game master should kind of follow. How much of the role playing experience is up to the game master versus how much is up to the player, and where those ideas overlap. So let's just start with the crushing your players idea. Don't crush your players. That's the idea. Yeah. Maybe that should have been the the header. It is the header here, but in the yeah. in Anyways. the table of contents, it just said crushing players. So players have control over, well, obviously their character, right? Mm-hmm. Their character's looks, their nature, disposition, all those things are... Yeah, players. Those are control. the purview of the character, and this is that's not to say that the game master doesn't have some like guidance over that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the game master sets the uh, you know the tone of the adventure, the setting of the adventure, what kind of you know what system you guys are playing, what kind of game conceptually you're playing. But then, once they've done that, the players should have full control over their you know looks, their nature, their disposition those kind of major things that make up their character. Right, because that's the whole point in character creation. Mm-hmm. Right? You get thinking about a character, like, are they young or old? You know, are they hot or not? Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of those kind of decisions, those are, oh, those are players' um, responsibility, and Game Master doesn't have any say in those, or shouldn't have any say in those. Right. right? And I will say... This is kind of a soft thing. We we came out of the gate, or I did, hard, making a joke about these being, like, rules that you have to follow. Um, some adventures come with pre-made characters, or you as a game master might want to make pre-made characters if you're, like, onboarding a group of new players, or you have, like, a specific one-shot that's a flashback or something. Sure. So, in some situations, the game master might control that. But then once the players have them, mm. they're in control of those things. Right. And like, you know, you can direct character creation as a game master. Be like, 
All right, so the story I'm going to be running you guys through is a story about a bunch of old veterans. So you mm-hmm. guys got to be old veterans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That would be some, you know, guidance given to your players before the fact, but then reiterating. Once once they're making their characters or once they, you know, have the pre-made characters that you've given them, players have control over them. So, in the interest of not crushing your players as a game master, you should never like step on their toes and tell them things about their characters mm-hmm. that override any of that stuff. That's that's the point. Don't crush your players means don't override things mm-hmm. that they should have control yeah. over. And we're getting a little more into that with the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's the disposition of a player character, that's going to be a little more of a gray area mm-hmm. um, because sometimes characters make this elaborate backstory where they're like, yeah, my character really, like, hates orcs. Like, that's their thing. Right? Oh, during the adventure, you guys meet an orc. Mm -hmm. And, like, unless that character, unless that player can come up with some good reasons, like backstory reasons, like why they don't hate this one particular orc, they should probably be negative towards the orc. Like, oh, I don't trust him. He's an orc or something like that, right? So just don't let your characters forget their backstory. Yeah. Doesn't mean they can't change, though. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll get into that idea a little bit more later. But, you know, remind them of that stuff, but don't step on their toes and override something that they said about their character. Don't tell them things mm-hmm. about them. So an easy way to remember this is kind of, um, improv off the player characters, mm. right? Doing an RPG, it's a co-op story, game master and player both telling the story at the same time, right? So as a game master, you can throw some things at the character like, oh, well, you, you know, you came from a certain background, so like this might be cool. You might have some thoughts on this, you know, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Be like, hey, player, mm-hmm. what do you think, what does your character think about this? Maybe, you know, if there's a stall in the in the game where the players are like, oh, I don't know really what to do, you know, here. Well, you know, maybe ask some questions. Bring in Yeah, some don't stuff. necessarily tell them what they do or how they <laughs> feel about something, but kind of like, you know. Bounce some ideas off them. And, and improv off the stuff that they've told you about your character. Mm-hmm. Remind them. They're like, well, so you having whatever kind of background or being whatever kind of guy you are, maybe you feel this way about this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And now they have a, you know, a prompt, but then they're still the ones deciding what their character does. And right. that's that's what you want. Like, an example from, from our games, um, I was game mastering uh, the gang, and we were in Afterlife, and mm. Enzo's character was a gamma mutant that uh, was real religious, you know, and like had a had a whole. Well, it was basically just North Norse pantheon kind of thing because it was in the Great Lakes with the Neo Vikings. Anyways, so as the as the game master, I knew where the story was going. They were on this island chain, and there was this evil, and so they were bouncing around the different islands trying to figure out how to escape. Enzo kind of went in there with like, oh. You know, I'm going to be a sacrifice to the gods. So whatever the gods tell me, I'm going to do, which could have ended up with him 
opposite end of the party. He could have been fighting the party, trying to escape, right? Because he wants to die there as a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So what I did with that is made, like, the evil that was keeping the players there on those islands, that was also fighting Enzo's gods. So, like, every time he'd be like, oh, I want to check in with my gods, I'd be like, oh, there's a dark energy, like, Mm -hmm. trying to eat your gods. You can't. You know, something is blocking you, and that kind of led him. It was a, it was a, like a mind control AI in a bunker, and it was talking to people in their minds. And that, you know, based on who, what Enzo's character was, started like guiding him into the right. Right. Uh, so I didn't just know. come out and flatly say, "Oh, well, you can't, you know, talk to your gods, and mm-hmm. you can't fight the other members of the party." I gave him a reason why he shouldn't do that based on his character, improving yeah. off his character. Based on a thing that he said his character was, you know, he tells us how, or he tells the game master, my character's this way and believes this stuff. And then, you know, you play on those beliefs, mm-hmm. give him, you know, give him a reason to do the right thing for the story, but then he still makes the decisions yeah. to do it. And he's still, you know, In dictates. control of his character. Yeah. So, that's... Um, so, this is kind of intro yeah. into, like, you know, what we're talking about. Don't crush your players. Um, co-op storytelling, improv off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the specifics, right? The Venn diagram yeah. of ownership, right? There's one bubble, GM side. Yeah. There's one bubble that's player side. And there's a couple things that... Two circles share. overlapping with what's in the center. So, we're going to start... Um, we're going to start with... The GM side. The GM side. So this is a diagram of what belongs to the players, what belongs to the game master, and what belongs to both. Firstly, the game master. The game master's purview, we think, when it comes to boundaries in a role-playing game, is everything that happens to the party. Underline and capitalize to the party. That's the important word there. So environmental stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's raining, so the players get wet. Mm-hmm. The world that they're in. Right. Or even like them being in the in the place that they are. That's sort of like a thing happening to mm-hmm. them. But like once they're there, the game master is responsible for the things that happen to them. Environment, like Dane said, enemies, NPCs, other you know, what other ever other interactions. You also, as a game master, with the help of your dice, are responsible for the results of their actions. Those are things that happen to them as well. They either, you know, succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. Those are, um, that's, that's the whole thing. Basically, like, you know, the, the universe is the game master's responsibility because it happens to the players. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's the whole, you know. The whole thing, of that's just how role-playing works, right? The players say they do something. The GM tells them how it goes. Mm. Like, oh, you want to climb the wall? Well, you did it or you didn't, you know, etc. So that is kind of the reason why we're doing this whole episode is because sometimes those lines get a little blurred where it's game masters can get, get a little, um, I guess wrapped up in the story that they're telling mm-hmm. and start putting things on the players. Yeah, like, start saying, like, yeah. how things happen specifically mm-hmm. or um, start kind of, like, preempting decisions for the player characters, right. which isn't always forbidden, but generally speaking, you don't want to do that. 
the game master is responsible for everything that happens to the party. And then on the other side, the other circle of the Venn diagram is the player side, where they are responsible for their actions and reactions. So you make stuff happen to them as a game master. They are responsible for what they then do in whatever situation you put them in. Right. So you put, as a game master, you put a wall in front of them. They, the player gets to decide, oh, do I climb the wall? Do I go around the wall? Do I go under the wall? Do I go through the wall? Mm-hmm. That kind of style. And, you know, just worth mentioning, players are only responsible for their own character's actions, yeah. right? They can't tell other players what they do. Right. So it's sort of like a Venn diagram with, like, one big circle on one side for the game master and then, like you know, three or five or seven circles mm-hmm. on the other side for each separate player. And then they all intersect in the center, mm-hmm. which, you know, we're going to get to that in a and second. That's but. not to say that like, oh, Cosmo and I are both players and like, Cosmo, what, it would be cool if you climbed that wall and told us like, you know, what you could see from there. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Give it a suggestion. And then Cosmo can be like, mm, I don't want to climb the yeah. wall. I don't think my character would do that. Or I think my character would, but... Whatever I decide, it's, um, you know, it's the purview of Dane playing his character to give that suggestion to, you know, either in character or in, like, you know, mm-hmm. out of character table talk to, like, make suggestions. But players are only responsible for their own characters and they can't, you know, make decisions for other characters. So, pretty simple, but we still we think it bears reiterating so there's the two sides game master what happens to the party players their actions and reactions to what happens to them mm-hmm. now the center of okay. the uh, the center of the diagram is is only one thing but it's pretty big and we got a few points under it but the uh, the answer what is what is the responsibility who owns or what is at the center of this diagram of ownership? It's consistency. That's right. what both the game master and the players are responsible for. Yes, they both have ownership over keeping consistency a thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, making a character backstory and sticking to it. GM, you should feel comfortable being like, well, hold on a second. Isn't in, isn't in your backstory there something about this that you're forgetting? Like, yeah. You know, maybe maybe your play maybe your character thinks about it a different way. Reread your backstory and then you know, then react. Remind them because you know, like if you are a character, I don't know. Say say you're playing, I guess sort of like a meme typical D and D barbarian, and you know, player character suddenly is like, oh well, I like I stealth through this section and I try and you know steal something instead of like fight the bad guys. There's no rule saying you can't do that, but mm-hmm. like if that's the first time you've ever done that and that's completely out of character for the character that that player has made, it's not out of place to, you know, remind them what mm-hmm. sort of character they've and been playing. You don't, and, you know, remind them, not be yeah. like, nope, can't do that, no. Yeah. You just yeah, be like... You don't say that, because oh, that's so, not your responsibility as so a game master. you want to sneak. Well, it's going to be hard, because, like... You're in heavy chainmail and whatever, yeah, and you're not very good at it. But and like, also, you know, maybe is that it's a time thing that you would do? Mm-hmm. Or like, as a as like a 
I don't know, a hero type. Like, you know, that's your that's a player character's backstory. It's like, help anybody in need. Mm. Right? Oh, there's a situation where somebody's calling for help, but like, oh, I don't want to fight all those guys, so I'm just going to ignore it. Game Master would be like, hey, well, hold on now. Aren't you supposed to, like, aren't you sworn to help anybody in need? Why is it different this time? Mm-hmm. Don't tell them, oh, well, you have to go help them. But just, like, why is it different? Right. Have the character or have the player come up with why their character doesn't do what, what they, they would, should. Yeah, what they right? typically would do as you understand their character or as they played them up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't to say that characters can't grow and change. Right. That you can't, you know, like have an arc of development. And we talked yeah. about that. Um, typically they characters usually get worse like they start out all righteous yeah. and whatever and then by the end they're you know doing a little bit of hobo murder and that's a little just like in uh, an idiosyncrasy of like the role playing game experience a lot of times no matter what character you wrote uh, a lot of players will end up kind of like devolving into you know what's the most utilitarian thing I can do right now which is fine and yeah. It can also work the other way, though. You know, you could start out with a really shitty, you know, like, oh, I'm a thief and a bandit and, like, fuck everybody. And then you start to care about them. Mm-hmm. But as long as that's your arc, because then that is consistent. That's internally consistent to the character you made in the world that you're playing in and the story that you're telling. To, you know, have a character that grows, you just got to be like, no, that's what's happening. My character's growing. He's He's changing his mind or whatever. Um, it's still consistency. And then, uh, the other aspect of consistency is on the part of the game master, your rulings need to be consistent. Mm -hmm. We talked about how the thing that is like solely the game master is what happens to the players that needs to happen consistently in order for them to believe the world that you're playing in. If, you know, sometimes getting hit with a sword does different things. You need to explain why, or you need to change it so it does the same thing all the time. And if it's like damage dice, so sometimes you don't do that much damage and sometimes you do more, that's fine. That's internally consistent. But if, you know, one time this sort of character mm-hmm. behaves one way, and then in the next session you meet them again and they're behaving totally different, your players might rightly, you know, start to question the internal logic of the universe that they're playing in. So, Which, as a game master, like, it's really easy to sidestep that and just mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, because of this. Yeah. But right. that's that's what needs to happen. You need to be consistent in your rulings, and if things change, they need to make sense in the universe. And that consistency is the responsibility of both the game masters and players. Mm-hmm. So... With the consistency bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like what I just said, the it's really easy to sidestep that stuff. Um, and it's like, oh, when you're trying to like keep it consistent and the player's kind of all over the map and is doing, you know, different things and whatever, right? The, the, the phrase that gets thrown around a lot in game master circles is you know oh you never want to say no to a player you want to say you know yes and right you Mm -hmm. know the improv 
style. Yes, I mean, and. What we think is that's not terrible advice, but it's like it's surface incomplete. level advice. It's incomplete. Yeah. Because, yeah, you don't want to say no to the players, but what you really want to do is not crush them. You don't want to yeah. crush their dreams. You don't want to say, oh, uh, no. Mm. You don't want to stop them in their tracks and derail what they were hoping to accomplish. Right. Like, they could have come up with a really good idea, what well, what they think is a really good idea, and then just for the game master to be like, nope, can't do that. It's crushing. Yeah. It's absolutely crushing. So, you know, but on the other side of that, the other side of that coin is some things don't make sense or some things mm-hmm. aren't allowed. And it is not a bad thing to say no to your players in the name of consistency, the center of the Venn diagram, which you are both responsible mm-hmm. for. It's not bad to say no when you're calling out inconsistency either in the world or on the part of their behavior or the nature of their characters. Following every no, there should be a but. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the other thing. If you can't Don't be you afraid know, to say no. If you can't yes and you can say no, but say no but. Mm-hmm. But this happens instead. Or but you can't do this, but you could try this. Mm. Right. So, like, back to the, the wall thing. Right? Mm. Oh, there's a wall. Player wants to go through the wall. Mm. Well, can't really go through the wall because that's not fun. But you could try to blow it up. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's a no but if someone's like, oh, I just, like, I smashed through it. And you say no. Like, as soon as you try, you're like, oh, this is, you know, triple layer brick. You're not getting through it. So, no, you can't smash through it. But remind them, hey, you guys have some, like, have flasks a, of yeah. gunpowder mm-hmm. or something. Or magic blast or yeah. something, right? So say, no, can't do that. That's not going to work. Maybe let them try. You know, if it's something that's just, like, a role that you know couldn't possibly succeed you could let them try yeah. and maybe like you know chance to break their hammer or something but then say okay so no that's not going to work but what else could you try i think i think we should move up the last point the gm info we should mm-hmm. talk about that now because we're kind of broaching into that territory. okay we are a little bit so let's let's bump that up right so okay. With that, like, oh, I want to go through the wall. I just want to smash through the wall with my physical strength. Well, you can't, but, like, you can try, mm-hmm. right? You're going to fail, but you can try. So that's – their broaches in, like, how much info should the GM share with players, right? Like, oh, the wall has a difficulty of X, mm-hmm. right? Then they're going to be trying to beat that, mm-hmm. and it seems beatable, right? But if you don't share that – then when they fail, they can just be like, ah, mm-hmm. I failed. There's also um, what I was talking about earlier, why consistency is like the big thing that right. we put yeah. in the middle of both things. Um, the importance of consistency is so that everyone believes in the fiction that you're engaging in. The willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Everyone needs to, like, we know that, like, Middle Earth is not a real place or the Forgotten Realms or our post-apocalyptic afterlife setting. Like, we know these aren't real places and we know our characters aren't real, but, like, you suspend that when you engage in this hobby. You pretend that it is real. And if you, as a game master, start sharing everything about, uh, you know, like, 
enemy and NPC stat blocks or, you know, difficulty roll targets or, like, how many hit points are left before combat ends, that sort of thing, then stuff starts to be seen in terms of just, like, numbers and dice. Right, and they, start, they start seeing the matrix. Yeah. Rather and, than the, the, the lady in red. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And you want them focused on the lady in red because, like, that's the fun stuff. Or you want them, like, flying and mm. doing Superman punches over buildings. Matrix. Right. Actually, that's a fucking fantastic little thing there. I mean, yeah, so, right. like, as an analogy, it works really well. You don't want them seeing mm-hmm. the outside of it. Like, you don't want to be Morpheus telling them, like, oh, it's all ones and zeros, you idiot. And you just need to, like, break free of it. Because if you, you know, apply the correct math, mm-hmm. it becomes super easy. Right. That's not what you want. You want them fully committed to this fictional fantasy right because that's like that's like advanced dungeons and dragons where it's just a war game and it's all about the min max Mm. but today's role-playing or at least role-playing that we subscribe to i think it trends these days much more heavily towards the story yeah storytelling Storytelling. and role-playing rather than you know stats and like optimized tactical builds and stuff like that so tying that back into the idea of game master boundaries like Mm. that is all your purview that's your realm as a game master that is the math that makes the Mm. world work that's in your little circle on the venn diagram Mm. you don't need to share that yeah and I would go so far as to say it can be a negative when you share that, especially if you share it during the game. Maybe after the game, you can like mm-hmm. talk about what specifically. Like, oh, you were, were so close to yeah. hitting this guy, you for, were, you know, or whatever. But it had, uh, you know, like slashing resistance, mm-hmm. so it was taking longer than it should have. But you were so close, but your hits weren't doing as much damage as you thought they were. You can get into that after the game. You know, when mm-hmm. you're having a beer and just kind of like chatting about what cool stuff happened in tonight's session Mm. that's fine but in the game you want to avoid giving that information because you know you want the players to be focused on the thing that they control which is playing their characters and you know making consistent decisions in the world but if you suddenly tell them something like oh the monster has uh bludgeoning damage resistance and they're like okay i fall back and like switch to my arrows instead but consistently in the game, there's no reason for them to, like, know that. Well, and not to say that you can't give some hints, like, oh, they're resistant to bludgeoning damage. Mm-hmm. So when they get bludgeoned, they just seem to shake it off. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to affect them, right? You know, drop a hint that maybe you should try something else. But that's avoiding sharing specific rules right. or stats You don't and come stuff. out and say, oh... Resistant to bludgeoning damage. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You say it just doesn't seem yeah. to be having the effect it should. Right. And he's shrugging it off. He's getting angrier. You're making him angrier. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, whatever. Description. So we went through. Um, we went through most of these points. There's a couple I want to rehit. So the idea that like stats probably shouldn't be shared. This is kind of a. Uh, this can be a controversial topic depending on like who you ask and you know how long they've been game mastering what they're what their, like, school of thought is about this, but one reason why you might not share all the math that you have behind the screen is you might have to fudge it a little bit. Yeah. It's a lot easier to fudge it if the players don't know what it is. And, you know, eventually you get good enough to where you don't have to do that. 
you'll understand the system that you're playing. You'll understand, you know, the economy of turns and actions and stuff. And you just, you won't mm. need to do that anymore. But if you do have to fudge rolls, you don't want some eagle-eyed player being, like, noticing a discrepancy. Mm. And then the whole illusion breaks yeah. down around them. Yeah. And I mean, probably, like, they're not going to notice and care about, like, the fudges you give in the player's favor. Like, oh, this monster is way too powerful. I fucked up, so I'm just gonna... Oh, it's done. It's dead. Like, mm-hmm. They're probably not gonna be like, whoa, but dude, we only had it down at half health, man. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. They're probably not gonna do that. But they will probably be like, oh, man, my hit should have killed it. When, like, you're like, ooh, you did too good of a hit. I need to make this fight last a little longer because it's important. Yeah, it's just like throwing on a couple extra hit points or whatever, mm. making them last another round, that sort of thing. And because yeah. then it then it just gets bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bad for everybody because then it feels... The players feel a little cheated, and then you feel, as the game master, kind of like, I don't know, well, embarrassed, probably. That's how I feel when mm-hmm. I get called out. Yeah, when stuff doesn't go great, doesn't feel good. So, you know... It just makes it easier for that not to happen. And it calls back to the to the Venn diagram of ownership that we talked about. There's a reason why we call it ownership is, you know, it is it is the thing that you are in control of. Like on the one side, the game master owns uh, what happens to the party and the players own their reactions and their actions. But you also owe that stuff to each other. Yeah. And in the center... You owe each other both consistency. Mm. And it's a lot easier to maintain consistency when you're the only one who, you know, sees the matrix. Right. Yeah. And, it, you know, it avoids uh, focusing on the min-max, right? Because if it's a very interesting story, it's interesting when it fails, mm. when players fail. And, oh, that's an obstacle that I couldn't really, uh, you know, get over. Yeah. That's okay. That is okay. When you're like, oh, inst- you know, instead of like knowing the difficulty and like, oh, if I had just rolled one higher, right? If I had rolled a 15 instead of a 14, mm-hmm. I could have made it. But, you know, only that's only if you know, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're like, 14, that's such a good roll. I should do it. Oh, I failed? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. This well, is hard. And then, I could have, yeah. you know, I could have needed a 20 to get past that. So, like, I'm just going to forget about it and continue to play the game. Yeah. Um, so, so we bumped that one up. When yeah. is it okay to take control? Is what we're talking. This actually, about I think, is good that we changed this order because this yeah. is this is the last main point in our outline, and this is the point where we kind of like where we walk back all this stuff we said <laughs> about ownership and yeah. boundaries, um, because sometimes control needs to be taken. And a good way to think of this is like cutscenes in a video game. Yeah. Sometimes a thing just happens. And there's any number of reasons why this might happen. You know, you might want to avoid a uh like a no-win scenario. Like you might know your players would fight to, to not death, be taken right? captive, but the story needs to like move that along. So you just take control and be like, you know, sorry, you just roll behind the screen. Everyone got clonked on the mm-hmm. head, you're going to jail. Right? So, or whatever. Um, as as the GM, you control everything that happens to the party, right? Mm-hmm. And that includes non-player characters, NPCs. Yeah. So, 
by the strictest rules, right, NPCs are player or are characters. They're just not controlled by the player. So like they should be rolling for stuff too, right? However, sometimes it's better if you don't roll for everything an NPC does, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's the perfect callback to the sharing info, right? Like if you don't share the NPC stats with the players, mm-hmm. you're free to control them and make them do things how you need the story to move forward. Or if you don't share the difficulty of an obstacle, mm-hmm. you can have an NPC, like say the Complete party's it. camping, yeah. mm-hmm. right? They're at a camp and like a little little goblin is like rummaging through their gear and steals something important. Mm-hmm. Maybe that needs to happen because the story is all about getting this back. So this isn't a thing that they can interact with in terms of gameplay. This is just a thing that needs to happen. And then the, the goblin like scampers away and climbs over an obstacle mm-hmm. and is gone into the forest. Yeah. You don't roll for that. You just took control. You set a the thing happens. The goblin does that. But when the players get up to that obstacle, they are going to have to roll to get past mm-hmm. it. Don't share the um don't share the difficulty ahead of time because a thing already just like needed to happen. So you don't want right. to roll for it and have like the possibility of failure in what is essentially a cutscene. Yes. So if it's you know, I don't know. Not everybody who plays pen and paper role-playing games plays video games but that's true if you do i would imagine think of it like a cutscene. that venn that venn diagram overlaps pretty significantly but of you know oh a different venn a diagram? different a different venn a, diagram because we're diagram. just like we're on to venn diagrams the venn diagram i should have been the i should have been forget the guy's name the guy's name vin well it's vin. somebody somebody yeah yeah it's somebody vin um yeah, a different Venn diagram of player or role players, pen and paper role players, and video, video game players. There's a huge intersect. Probably pretty big. I don't know what the like actual numbers are of that, but um, that's for the 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 math nerds, the bean counters. The bean counters. That's for um, yeah, that's for our fact checking division. Yeah, we'll get them right on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> So that's right. for an intern. <laughs> our one of our mini interns. Yeah, our intern. Um, yeah. So if if it seems more like a cutscene, just take control as mm. the game master and get the story where it needs to go. Um, now, this can seem. I said, completely yeah. right. Contra- I said, contrary. I said when we, we started about. this, this this seems a little bit flying in the face of the whole idea of like boundaries and ownership. Um, but it's remember, it's all in service of like a better role playing experience. So mm-hmm. sometimes a thing is just a cutscene. They might not know your players that mm-hmm. this isn't a gameplay moment, whatever. But as long as you just make everything as consistent as possible, they usually won't care. But if you are going to break the rules and, you know, overstep your boundaries in this way to, like, do a cutscene where you tell them what happens and you might even, like, move them along through, like, a travel day or, you know, like, not give them a chance to react to something. As long as you make everything else consistent, do your best to make everything consistent, then they'll probably forgive you and they'll be stoked when they actually get to gameplay. 
Also, well, I think there's there's some rules actually, some more rules. We're just fucking talking rules, rules, rules today. Um, when you're taking control, right? Don't taking control might seem like crushing your players, but there's a way to take control and not crush your players at the same time, right? So we talked about like how the player has control over their character's looks, nature, and disposition, and that kind of stuff. So when you take control as a game master, you're not changing any of that stuff. You're not suddenly making them ugly or psychopaths or whatever. Yeah. Right? Taking control being like, okay, so you guys are trying to sail a boat. Instead of rolling for that, you can just be like, you guys aren't good at sailing a boat. Mm -hmm. So, like, this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Right? And then one of your players might be like, hey, actually I am. And you can say, okay, so you are, but nobody else is. And so you just get frustrated as the rest of your crew, you know, fails to pull it out. And you all collectively do a bad job. Because the players still have control over like, oh, well, I might be like failing at sailing. That rhymes. But I look sexy while doing it. Mm -hmm. Or like... They're like, hey, you did a good job. Mm -hmm. Too bad you can't do it all yourself. Or like, I, you know, players like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Right? Because that's just their nature to complain or something like that. They can still complain about it, but they still do it because the story needs them to sail this boat from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. So when you take control, you don't have to crush your players. Yeah. Taking control is just basically telling them how the story moves forward. Mm -hmm. And you can condense things. I guess that's that's what you were saying. You can condense things like their roles. Yeah. Or like the roles that they would have made and the actions and reactions mm -hmm. that they would have taken, you can condense those into just like a sentence of narration. I guess that's the key. That's the key. When you're thinking about, oh, I think I need to take control here, think about is it going to condense and move the story forward? If, if the answer is yes, then... That's a good time to do It's a good time it. to do that. Yeah. You know, if it's no, where like, oh, this conversation might mean something to the player, maybe you don't take control. Yeah. Or if there's, you know, a significant chance to actually, like, act and affect the outcome. Yeah. Probably don't you know, railroad them at that point. Don't override their ability to, you know, make an mm -hmm. action or attempt something. Yeah. And, you know, stick with that and maintain the internal consistency of, you know, the rest of the story. And then everything should work out, I would say. It's been my experience. We've had some flubs, but... Yeah, we've also had some good... We've had, some, we've had some times where it's worked really well. And, yeah. I would say just a little, like, last thing to throw in here. It's not on our outline, but just thinking about the times where we've had, you know, more success than not. Um, I would say the best time to, you know, to take control, to take, uh, to take away player agency and make a thing just like a cutscene or narration is at the beginning of something. Like, when you're kicking off an adventure or a session, do a little narration to, like, you know, get people up to speed on what's happening now, mm -hmm. and then back off on it. Because it's, it's harder to make this work if you do it in the middle of a session to, like, 
you know, connect to very separate yeah, encounters. Yeah, that's like or there's something. like a pro move, right? And by pro move, I mean advance. I don't know. It's hard to. I just made us sound like assholes. <laughs> um, yeah, in the beginning and also in the end too. Like, the end you know, is okay. If, you, if yeah. you need to wrap up a session, like mm-hmm. you know, somebody's got to go. You can narrate or... the. You can narrate the resolution mm-hmm. of something. And, you know, lead it into what's going to happen next session. Or if it's the end of an adventure, a little, like, wrap-up narration. That's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, generally speaking, it's easiest to do a cutscene where you as the Game Master have total control. It's easiest to implement that in the beginning. So structure your adventures so you're not doing it very often. Mm-hmm. But you just kick off with an intro that you narrate. But it's also just kind of maybe good practice to... And by practice, I mean practice taking control, narrative control, because, like, you know, you have this grand adventure planned, and then just somewhere in the middle of it, your players really fuck up and go off the rails, and you're like, I need to get this back on track. I need to use some narration here. Probably better if you've done that a little more. Yeah. Right? You know, get your get your 10,000 hours in. Mm-hmm. Um and that means you got to try it. And you're going to boof it sometimes, and that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, try it in just, like, little tiny increments. Try it to, like, move characters between brief encounters mm-hmm. and then... Oh, pro tip, put it on the board. When you boof something like that, um, just, you know, own up to it. Be like, I boofed it. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Like, don't don't try to, like, backtrack and justify it and be like, no, 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 no. Because this, you know, this thing and this thing... You know, it works, right? If your players are like, yeah, no, man. Then just be like, sorry, guys. Yeah, I messed it up. That shouldn't have happened that way. Um, it'll Let's be, rewind yeah. or whatever. It'll, I'll fix it. In the next one, it'll, I'll run it correctly. Whatever. You know, because everybody's there to have fun. Yeah. So the second it starts being about like, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, it takes away from the fun. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good place to end this. Let's uh, let's review because we were kind of all over the map, right? Yeah, we we did it out of order. So this was our episode about game master boundaries, um, and in the correct order, we talked about not crushing your players. Right, players have control over how their character looks, how they feel about things. Mm-hmm. As a game master, you can improv off of that. But don't crush them. Mm-hmm. Or and, don't drag them yeah. along in mm-hmm. spite of what they would otherwise be doing. Yes. Uh, then the next thing we talked about is the Venn diagram of ownership. The game master is responsible for everything that happens to the party. The players are responsible for their actions and reactions. Both parties... Bad wording. Uh, <laughs> both parties are responsible for consistency. Mm-hmm. Consistency is what gives you, you know, the ability to like believe that this fiction is really happening, right. and it, it adds to the immersion, right? Yeah, um, which is why game masters maybe shouldn't share every stat block, mm-hmm. right? Keep keep the stat blocks hidden. Keep your math on your side, and keep your like plan, and keep your you know notes and stuff. Right. That way it's easier for the players to go along with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes you're going to need to fudge some stuff. And if they know everything, it's harder to do that. Yeah. And then the last thing we talked about is when is it okay to take control? When, you know, 
the uh, when the outcome needs to be a certain way, when the story needs to go in a certain direction, um, when doing so will not violate the internal consistency that is both of your responsibilities. Right. Then so, it's okay to take control, move things along, yeah. get to the good stuff. Think of it like a cutscene. Ask yourself, would this be a cutscene in a video game? If the answer is yes, maybe taking control is the best thing for the story. Avoids a lengthy bunch of roles that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't mean you're crushing your players by doing that because they still get to choose how they feel about you know the outcome and their own character's deal. Yeah. But sometimes the story just needs to move forward. Yeah. And a good time to do it is at the beginning of something as the intro. And then, you know, generally good advice to to lay off of that technique. But that... I think that's going to do it. ...is our episode of Game Master Boundaries. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. If you like our stuff, you want to check out more, um, visit us at 2hdm.com. You can contact us. We love feedback. There is... um, Kind of a lot of content now. More content. We anyway. got a lot of PDFs there for yeah. free. For free. We got Always the Eclipse Engine. Free. We got a Dungeon Creator worksheet. Uh, we got some just like notes and diagrams going up. Character sheets, fun stuff. Uh, we also have a Patreon link, and if you want to support us, we would appreciate it. Um, join us next time for another episode of Two Headed Game Master. Thank you to the Burning Saviors. Yeah, thank you to the Burning uh, Saviors. For the use of their song Pontillo's Finest as our intro and outro. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next time. See ya. See ya.